You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Riley Adams with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include the Supreme Court striking down affirmative action programs, South Korea getting rid of their traditional age system, and Camden County declaring Code Red for its air quality. Here's your national news recap for the week of June 25th. The Supreme Court on Thursday ruled in favor of challenges to affirmative action programs at the University of North Carolina and Harvard. Groups challenging the practice argued it violated the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause and disadvantaged white and Asian American applicants. President Biden is strongly disagreeing with the Supreme Court's ruling, striking down affirmative action in college admissions. The court ruled colleges should not consider race as a factor in their admissions decisions. While speaking from the White House, the president said colleges and universities should not abandon their commitment to ensure they have student bodies of diverse background and experience, noting that equal opportunity, quote, is not everywhere across this country, end quote. He added he'll be directing the Department of Education to look into what other practices can help build more diversity on college campuses. Democrats in Congress are demanding change in light of today's Supreme Court ruling, outlawing race-based admissions at the nation's colleges and universities. Congressman Joaquin Castro of Texas says affirmative action has given opportunities to undeserved communities. He says if colleges cannot use race, then they should also be blind when it comes to legacy. The Congressional Hispanic Caucus wants to outlaw the practice of giving preference to students whose parents attended a university. At least one person is in custody after a suspicious package was found in front of the Supreme Court. WJLA reports police appeared to search the suspect's belongings at the scene. The U.S. Capitol Police announced the scene was all clear about two hours after the investigation began. Reports say the investigation was prompted after a protester tossed a bag and bottles over a protective fence at the court. The package was found hours after decision banning affirmative action from college admissions was handed down. President Biden is rebuking the Supreme Court, claiming it's, quote, not a normal court, end quote. In an interview on MSNBC, the president argued the court had done more to unravel basic rights and presidents than any court in recent history, citing the court's decision to strike down Roe v. Wade and affirmative action programs in college admissions. He believes the vast majority of Americans don't agree with the decisions the conservative majority court is making. The Supreme Court today ruled in favor of challenges to avoid affirmative action programs at the University of North Carolina and Harvard. The former school resource officer has been found not guilty for his response to the deadly school shooting in Parkland, Florida. Scott Peterson was the only armed officer at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School at the time of the 2018 massacre that killed 17 people and wounded 17 others. He was accused of failing to take action to confront the gunman as shots rang out. The DeSantis campaign is hitting former President Trump over his past comments in support of affirmative action. The campaign resurfaced a 2015 clip of Trump telling NBC's Meet the Press he was, quote, fine with affirmative action. That's contrary to a statement Trump released today praising the Supreme Court for striking down the consideration of race in college admissions, in which he called, 
quote, a great day for America, end quote. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has leaned into attacking Trump as the two are vying for the Republican nomination for president. A fire on the Abraham Lincoln aircraft carrier was quickly put out yesterday in San Diego. The Navy says the small electrical fire on the USS Abraham Lincoln was out in 10 minutes. The carrier is docked at Naval Station North Island on Colorado, and the fire started in the diesel generator compartment around 2 o'clock p.m. yesterday. The Navy says there were no injuries. New York Congressman George Santos is due back in a courtroom on Long Island tomorrow. The Republican is set to appear in federal court after pleading not guilty to 13 charges, including wire fraud, money laundering, and making false statements to the House of Representatives. Last week, court documents revealed the congressman's father and aunt fronted the bail money that kept him out of jail. The embattled lawmaker has been under fire since it was determined he lied about parts of his background and experience. Several Republican officials across Long Island have banded together calling for Santos to step down. Millions of Americans may be impacted by unhealthy air quality due to smoke from Canadian wildfires. As of this morning, 23 states are under air quality alerts from the Midwest to the Northeast and parts of the South. The smoke is expected to cover areas in the Great Lakes, Appalachian Mountains, and Ohio Valley as the day moves on. Some smoke may make it up to parts of New Jersey in the Mid-Atlantic. The wildfire smoke is expected to mostly dissipate by the weekend. Flight issues continue in parts of the country as the holiday weekend approaches. Over 2,400 flights have been canceled or delayed so far on Thursday in the United States. This comes as over 2.8 million people are expected to pass through TSA this weekend. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said they've known this summer would be a stress test and things are going better than compared to last year. I'm Riley Adams and that was your national news. I'm Sam Dutujis with your international news. South Korea is retiring their traditional age counting custom in a new law that went into effect on Wednesday. The old counting method considered every person one year old at birth and added another year on January 1st. Under this system, someone born on December 31st would turn two the very next day. South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol said the purpose of the new law is to reduce social and administrative confusion. Issues have come about in the past in determining if policies and rules apply to international or Korean age, which this law seeks to correct. This includes incidents like a dispute from 2004 between a union and a dairy company, who could not agree on whether international or Korean aid should be used for determining salaries for older employees. According to the Associated Press, international age standards were already used in most South Korean laws, such as the legal drinking age or when a person can drive or vote. Because of this, the biggest change will be social, as South Koreans have all gotten a year or two younger. Protesters in Baghdad, Iraq, entered the Swedish embassy on Thursday in response to an incident in Stockholm where a man burned a copy of the Quran outside of a mosque. Videos online showed the demonstrators climbing over the barricaded wall of the embassy, where they remained inside for 15 minutes before withdrawing. Sweden confirmed all of its staff members from the embassy were confirmed to be safe, and their foreign ministry was in contact with them. The man responsible for burning the Quran in Stockholm was Salwan Momika, who immigrated from Iraq to Sweden five years ago. CNN reports the leader of the protests, Muqtada al-Sadra, demanded his Iraqi nationality be revoked. Several countries, including Kuwait, Morocco, and Saudi Arabia, have condemned Momika's actions, as well as the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, the Arab League, and the Gulf Cooperation Council. A suspect has been charged in the stabbing of a professor and two students at Canada's University of Waterloo. The perpetrator was identified as Giovanni Villaba Alamon, who was an international student studying at the school. Witnesses say he entered the classroom on Wednesday and asked the teacher if he was the professor, and then proceeded to pull out a knife. Police have said in a statement that it was a hate-motivated attack, targeted specifically at the class related to gender expression and gender identity. 
Falaba Alamont is facing three counts of aggravated assault, four counts of assault with a weapon, and two counts of possession of a weapon for a dangerous purpose. A police officer in Paris was charged with voluntary homicide of a 17-year-old that took place on Tuesday during a traffic stop. The shooting was captured on video, which caused two nights of riots in multiple cities in France. They first began on Tuesday night in the suburb of Nanterre, where the 17-year-old named Nayel was killed. According to ABC News, over 40,000 officers were deployed over the following days to try and control the riots. Protesters set cars and buildings on fire with the worst of the damage located in Nanterre and other Paris suburbs. 150 people were arrested, and police used tear gas to try and suppress the crowds. President Macron and other government officials condemned the actions of the police officer. Macron held an emergency meeting on Thursday to address the violent riots, saying he would focus the government's resources on restoring peace. Nayel's mother called for a silent march on Thursday in her son's honor, which took place during the day. A lawyer for the family said that they want the police officer prosecuted for murder instead of manslaughter. Former Vice President Mike Pence made a surprise visit to the Ukraine on Thursday and met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Vice President Pence visited three cities that were ravaged by Russian forces and is the first Republican presidential candidate to meet with President Zelensky during the current campaign. The visit comes just after the Wagner Group's rebellion in Russia and a tragedy in Gramatorsk, Ukraine, where a Russian missile killed 11 people in a pizza shop. The attack took place on Tuesday night and damaged 18 multi-story buildings, 65 houses, five schools, two kindergartens, a shopping center, an administrative building, and a recreational building. A total of 61 people were wounded, and of the 11 killed in the pizza shop, three of them were children. Ukrainian officials arrested a man allegedly involved in orchestrating the strike on Wednesday. The Wagner Group has been welcomed into Belarus after the rebellion attempts in Russia. Leader of the paramilitary group Yevgeny Prigozhin struck a deal with the Kremlin to end last weekend's rebellion. As part of the deal, Prigozhin and his fighters escaped prosecution and were offered refuge in Belarus by President Alexander Lukashenko. Concerns were raised by Belarusian opposition and guerrilla activists who see the Wagner Group as a threat. Neighboring countries also raised concerns such as Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, who urged the European Union to label Wagner a terrorist organization. Lukashenko offered the Wagner Group an abandoned military base where they could set up camp, and has stated that the country could use their expertise. Construction for their site was seen in the city of Azapovici, a city about 142 miles north of the Ukraine-Belarus border. According to the Associated Press, residents of the city were concerned about the incoming forces. While Prigozhin's whereabouts have remained unknown, some sources say he has met with Lukashenko a few times to discuss his forces. I'm Sam Dutuchis, and that was your international news. I'm Aiden Doherty with your local news. For Fox 29, Camden County has declared a Code Red Fine Particles Action Day alert as smoke traveling from active wildfires in Canada continue to enter the region. This alert means that the air is hazardous and poses health risks for sensitive residents, including elderly and young people. Camden County's health officer, Dr. Pascal Nwako, suggests that all members of the public remain indoors, even if you aren't classified as a sensitive individual or have pre-existing conditions. We are still recommending for everyone to try to minimize the time they are spending outside today, said Nwako. So if you had any plans to participate in outdoor activities or exercise, we strongly urge you to reschedule until the conditions improved. The county's recommendations for Camden County residents include the following. Strongly considering canceling outdoor events and gatherings. Avoid going outdoors as much as possible. 
Avoid exercise, outdoor activities such as jogging or exercising. If you have to go outdoors, wear a high-quality mask like an N95 or KN95 mask. Avoid areas of high congestion and where air pollution may be high like main streets or highways, areas with low air circulation. Close all windows and doors to minimize air pollution in your home. Recirculate the air in your homes with fans to avoid bringing more air pollution into your home. Pay attention to their bodies. If they are having more trouble breathing, feeling nauseous, or dizzy, they should seek medical attention as soon as possible. Nawako additionally requests that members of the public to take steps towards reducing air pollution. To further reduce the amount of air pollution across the country, we are also asking residents to avoid unnecessary trips in their car if possible. We encourage residents to not use gas-powered lawn and garden equipment at this time, Nawako continued. The Health Department and the Office of Emergency Management will continue to monitor the air quality and provide updates as they become available. From NJ.com, parking tickets in the Jersey Shore Resort town of Stone Harbor skyrocketed 1,600% last month with the debut of a new payment app system that replaces kiosks that accepted cash and credit cards. Stone Harbor Police Chief Thomas J. Scuda told the borough's council that 564 parking tickets were issued in May. The first month of the town began using the Park Mobile app, up 33 tickets in May 2022. Parking is free in the off-season month. The fine for a parking violation, if paid before the court date, is $34. According to the borough's website, that could mean at least 19 in parking violation fines in May for Stone Harbor. Motorists pay to park using an account link to a credit card through the app on their mobile devices. The account requires users to enter their license plate, make, and model for vehicles, which is then used to identify vehicles that have paid. Those who don't want to download the app can pay Park Mobile over the phone by calling 877-727-5304. A member of Stone Harbor's Borough Council questioned during a recent meeting where the police were too strict in writing tickets under the new system. The police chief said absolutely not and pointed out that officers in 2022 were issuing more warnings than tickets. This system allows us to seamlessly enforce parking laws, Scooter told the borough council on June 20th. Scooter and other borough officials did not immediately return calls and emails Thursday seeking comment on the new system. Park Mobile says on its website that there are more than 1 million users on the app across the state, including motorists in Jersey City, Hoboken, New Brunswick, Ashbury Park, Ocean City, Wildwood, and Belmar. The app can also be used in making parking reservations for concerts and sporting events at the Prudential Center in Newark, according to Park Mobile. Beyond New Jersey, the app can be used in cities across the Northeast Corridor, from Washington, D.C. to Philadelphia to New York City, Park Mobile says on its website. From Fox 29, Eagles center Jason Kelsey appeared as a guest bartender at a Jersey Shore bar for the third consecutive year to help raise money for two great charities. Jason Kelsey's Beach Bash and Celebrity Bartending event was held Wednesday night at Ocean Drive to raise money for the Eagles Autism Foundation and Team 62. Hundreds paid a $10 cover charge for a chance to drink with the Eagles legend, and all of the proceeds including tips, raffles, and merch sales going straight to charity. I really do think that most athletes want to give back, especially in Philadelphia, Kelsey said. I think that they are such a part of the community, such a part of everybody's lives. Former and current players also joined Kelsey behind the bar, like Dallas Goddard, who was busy slinging jello shots to the thirsty customers. This is better than any game, Eagles defensive end Brandon Graham said. This is fun. This is great to see the support. Organizers expect the funds raised on Wednesday night to exceed last year's event, which tailed more than $150,000. I own a house here in Sea Isle. I think all the shores are great to have a fun getaway, Kelsey said. Everybody is looking to have fun and get away from everything and hang out with each other. While Kelsey and his fellow Eagles teammates drew cheers from the crowd, perhaps the biggest celebrity that came to Ocean Drive on Wednesday was Donna Kelsey. It's kind of fun because it means a lot to Jason, Donna said. It's just a really special event. That was your local news. I'm Aiden Doherty. I'm Megan Steckler with your Rowan News. His name Fortunato means lucky in Italian, and that is exactly what a young Nigerian dwarf goat is, thanks to the hard work and creativity of two Rowan University mechanical engineering majors. In the spring, Addison Deckert and Vince Gallo accepted a challenge from Dr. Matthew Edson, founding dean of the Schreiber School of Veterinary Medicine, to develop prosthetic hind legs for the goat. 
Deckard and Gallo both work as lab technicians in Studio 231, the student-led and student-run experiential learning lab and makerspace in the William G. Rauer College of Business. Fortunato was born with septic arthritis, an infection that affected the development of his rear legs and hooves. Shunned by his mother, he didn't receive the colostrum, or first milk, that can help fend off diseases. His owners did not want to euthanize him and made him a house goat, bottle feeding him and wrapping his rear legs in cast padding, topped by veterinary wrap. But Edson, who as a child developed a prosthetic for his one-legged pet duck, thought Studio 231 could help. With the goat's veterinarian, Dr. Cassie Regal, and veterinary technician, Lara Buonpastori, Edson and his team brought Fortunato into Studio 231 for an initial consultation with Deckard and Gallo, plus two follow-up sessions. Ultimately, the students produced breathable porous silicone socks for the goat's legs that slip into royal blue thermoplastic urethane prosthetic rounded feet. Hyperpolarization could be the key to better, faster, and cheaper MRIs with more extensive biomedical applications. The magnetic resistance signals used for medical imaging have limitations, explained Dr. Nicholas Whiting, an assistant professor with dual appointments in the Department of Physics and Astronomy and the Department of Biological and Biomedical Sciences at Rowan University's College of Science and Mathematics. In his lab, Whiting studies three types of polarization to enhance the MR signals of particles. Specifically, Whiting's work using parahydrogen-induced polarization is funded by a grant from the American Chemical Society Petroleum Research Fund. By strengthening MR signals through hyperpolarization, more cost-effective biomedical imaging may be possible, and developing a deeper understanding of hyperpolarization's effects on MR signals may also extend potential biomedical applications of magnetic resistance imaging technology. That was your Rowan News. I'm Megan Steckler. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Riley Adams, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Jack Miller for the Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. It was an historic day in the MLB yesterday, specifically for the New York Yankees. Starting pitcher Domingo Yerman threw a perfect game against the Oakland Athletics on Wednesday night. Yerman's last two games before the perfect game were brutal, where he gave up 15 earned runs in five and a third innings pitched combined, and on Wednesday night he made history. This is the first perfect game thrown back since 2012 when Felix Hernandez threw one for the Seattle Mariners. This is the 24th perfect game thrown in the entire history of the MLB, tracing back all the way since 1880, where Lee Richmond threw one for the Worcester Ruby Legs. Continuing with the MLB, the All-Star Game is coming up in a week and a half in Seattle, Washington, and the starting lineups got released for both the American League and the National League. Starting for the Ima- starting for the American League, we have four Texas Rangers players, where first-time All-Star catcher Jonah Heim, second baseman Marcus Simeon, rookie third baseman Josh Jung, and shortstop Corey Seager all get nods in the infield. Two Tampa Bay Rays 
these players are in the AL starting lineup. The electric outfielder of Randy Arozarena and the hard-hitting first baseman of Yandy Diaz will both take the stage for the first time in their career. The two-headed monster from LA of Shohei Otani and Mike Trout are also in the AL starting lineup, as well as New York Yankees outfielder Aaron Judge, who is injured and will most likely be replaced by either Jordan Alvarez or another Texas Ranger of Adolis Garcia. The starting lineup for the National League, who hasn't beat the American League in nine straight All-Star games. First, we have three Atlanta Braves in the contest with Sean Murphy as your starting catcher, Ronald Acuna Jr. as one of the three starting outfielders who had the most votes after Phase 1, and shortstop Orlando Arcia, who has a huge comeback season so far through June. Three LA Dodgers got called to be a starter for the National League team where outfielder Mookie Betts, first baseman Freddie Freeman, and DH J.D. Martinez get to represent the city of LA up in Seattle. Two players are getting their first all-star nod where rookie outfielder Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks and the 400 hitter second baseman of Luis Arise of the Miami Marlins are getting their first taste of the big stage. Finishing out the rest of the National League manning the hot corner is St. Louis Cardinal Nolan Arenado getting his eighth appearance in his career in the All-Star game. Continuing with baseball but to the Men's College World Series the Louisiana State University Tigers beat the Florida University Gators 18-4 in Game 3 to win their 7th Baseball College World Series title in university history. Per CBS Sports, LSU in Game 3 fell behind early when star Florida outfielder Wyatt Langford laced a two-run home run to left field. However, LSU swiftly rebounded the next half inning by putting six runs on the board in the top of the second, all without an extra base hit. The Tigers padded their lead with a four-run fourth inning, thanks in part to left fielder Josh Pearson's fourth home run of the season, and the runs just kept on coming after that. All the while, LSU starter Thatcher Hurd settled in, racked up outs, and gave the Tigers more length than they expected given how the first inning went. In the end, Hurd worked six innings, struck out seven against two walks, and allowed just two runs. A well-deserved title for the dominant LSU Tigers. Again, I'm Jack Miller for The Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is closing with stocks mixed. This comes after Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said there's an increasing likelihood of more interest rate hikes happening in the future. Powell made the comments at the European Central Bank Forum in Portugal. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 74 points to 33 to 852, the S&P 500 fell by 1 point to 43 to 76, and the Nasdaq gained 36 points to 13 to 591. Unionized UPS drivers are warning of an imminent strike that could start as soon as next week. Mark Mayfield reports. UPS Teamsters are demanding that the delivery company produce its last, best, and final offer to the union by Friday. After a failed negotiation meeting this week, Teamsters General President Sean O'Brien warned the largest single employer strike in American history now appears inevitable. Over 340,000 UPS employees could walk off the job in the potential strike, causing massive disruptions to the U.S. supply chain. So far, UPS has agreed to install air conditioning and heat shields inside delivery trucks, but not much else. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Federal Reserve says 23 of the biggest American banks were able to survive a severe recession scenario and a stress test. Every U.S. bank the test included was able to continue to lend to consumers and businesses, the regulator said. Despite a nearly $550 billion projected loss for the group, the banks were able to maintain minimum capital levels. 
National Geographic has laid off the last of its staff writers. The cuts come after parent company Walt Disney has let go of thousands of staffers across its divisions this year. A company spokesperson said in a statement Wednesday that National Geographic will continue publishing a monthly magazine. National Geographic has more than 1.7 million subscribers at the end of 2022. News of the layoffs have come out Tuesday and Wednesday as departing staff writers posted on social media that they are now looking for work. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Al Lawton, and this is your entertainment news. Madonna is postponing her tour a little over two weeks before it was set to start. In a social media post, Madonna's manager revealed the singer recently spent several days in the ICU after developing a serious bacterial infection. He added a full recovery is expected, but she is still under medical care. The career-spanning celebration tour is set to play nearly 60 shows across North America into next year, including four at New York's Madison Square Garden. Madonna's manager said details about a new start date and rescheduled shows will be shared as soon as they're able to. A grand jury is convening in Houston, Texas to determine whether criminal charges will be filed over the Astroworld Music Festival stampede. Ten people were killed back in 2021 during a concert that was headlined by hip-hop artist Travis Scott. The youngest victim was just nine years old. Today's grand jury includes Houston police detectives who were a part of the investigation. Scott's lawyer is also there, as well as a lawyer for the festival manager who is among those facing an indictment. A popular YouTube creator is denying grooming allegations by singing in a new video. Colleen Ballinger, who goes by the name Miranda Sings, posted a video Wednesday responding to accusations that she had inappropriate relationships with some of her teenage viewers. The viral video shows her strumming a ukulele while denying quote-unquote lies and gossip about her. In the song, Ballinger says that early in her career, she made the mistake of direct messaging her fans, but claims, the only thing I've ever groomed is my two Persian cats. Anthony Mackie emphasized that everyone is innocent until proven guilty as he talked about fellow Marvel Cinematic Universe actor Jonathan Majors' legal issues. Majors was in Manhattan criminal court last week over assault and harassment charges connected to a dispute in March. Mackie, the Captain America Brave New World star, said in an interview with Inverse, nothing has been proved with this dude. Nothing. So everyone is innocent until proven guilty. Majors, who played Kang the Conqueror for Marvel Studios, was charged with assault, attempted assault, harassment, and aggravated harassment after a dispute with a 30-year-old woman in New York City. Majors denies the charges. He's been dropped by his talent manager, his public relations firm, and the U.S. Army, which featured him in ads. Metallica are announcing their takeover events in connection to their M72 world tour. The North American leg of their tour kicks off in East Rutherford, New Jersey on August 4th. On each Saturday between their two no-repeat shows, the event will include film fests, pop-up stores, Ross Halflin book signings, and AMWH-sponsored opportunities to give back. Each event will have live music. Tickets for most shows and film fests went on sale Friday. Beyonce and Kelly Rowland are teaming up to help fight the homelessness problem in their home town Houston. On Tuesday, Harris County officials announced that they would be collaborating with the singers to create 31 permanent housing units. The new building, named the Knowles Roland House, will have case managers, peer specialists, and other support services like transportation, mental health, and physical and behavioral health support. A bigger launch of the complex is set to be announced in September when Beyonce is back in Houston for two shows as a part of her Renaissance World Tour. I'm Elle Lawton, and that was your entertainment news. And that wraps it up for this week's edition of The Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Riley Adams. Have a great day.
You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.